We're your hosts, Lizzie Kondravi and Brooke Volkert, and welcome to the All-American Dream Podcast. On today's podcast, we have Joe Masselter, founder of the Minnesota Experts Team with EXP Realty. Joe has seen all different sides of real estate teams throughout his career. Today, we discuss how he chose to build his team and why that way works for him. Joe is not just a real estate agent. He's a father, leader, investor, and a business owner, which all led him to unique perspectives on how to build a successful team. Thank you so much for being on today, Joe. Yes, thank you guys. So let's just get right to it. Awesome. What made you take the leap from working at Target Corporation into real estate? Yeah, so right before uh, we started this today, we were talking about my kid. He's the yeah. reason. So I was staring down the barrel of uh, daycare bills coming up, but <laughs> yeah. my son wasn't born yet. Um, we had just purchased the house. We were building the house with Pulte, and it looked like a cool job, kind of like everybody else says. I love looking at houses. I love you know mm-hmm. talking about houses, and realistically, I just needed to make some money to pay for daycare. Um my ex and I had both had good jobs at Target, um, but you know, eighteen hundred dollars a month is a lot. We had just built a house, bought cars, stuff like that. So when I look back at it now, I'm like, I I did it for a few months. I got like seven deals done, um, which I thought was outrageous, and then I quit. I was done. I went back to Target, stayed at Target, and I did it for a few more months. And uh, all of a sudden, I was like, I kind of liked that. I kind of liked the freedom, the financial flexibility of like, you work harder, you make more money. Um, and realistically, Target treated me amazing. I have nothing bad to say. A lot of my clients and friends still work there. Um, but it was like, I tell everybody, it was like office space. Like yeah. I, I yeah. <laughs> try to get in just early enough so nobody would get mad. I'd leave just late enough so nobody would get mad. And that's just not my personality. So eventually I was like, hey, Target, it's not me. You know, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. And I dove in full time to real estate back in, gosh, 2015 now. Had my license since 2013. So um, it honestly was daycare money. <laughs> Honest answer. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah, Quite the side hustle, right? <laughs> yeah. Selling seven homes. Yeah, I was, I was taking, I mean, I was taking calls at lunch. You know, I was after work, I was heading out on showings. On the weekends, I was doing showings. So I was trying to manage two full-time jobs. And it was one of those, like, you take on one buyer and then they stop looking. So you're like, oh, I better get another buyer. So you take on a next buyer, and then, oh, they stop looking. All of a sudden, you're on your third buyer, and your first buyer comes back. Then your second buyer all of a sudden wants to see a house. And now I'm like, okay, I'm a full-time agent trying to manage, you know, my target job too. And, like, a lot of agents you hear, they go in and they join a team because they're like, now I have the support. When they decide to go into real estate. But you you didn't have the support of a team It right was away. just you. I didn't have a team. I was at MLS Online, um, which they are oh, – they're awesome. They're incredible. And they have a really good system for training. So he was, Jeff uh, there, the, the broker there, was able to train me on all the paperwork. Once I was confident on that, I knew I could open a lock. I've done that my whole yeah. life. Um, <laughs> Some of these new ones, though. Some yeah. of these Bluetooth ones oh, are a little tricky. It's, it's incredible. But um, they had a good lead system, too. I think that's the reason people mostly join teams. They want the support, but they also want the lead gen. Yes. Where MLS Online provided me good upfront training. And then the leads, I just... I kind of learned by trial of fire, you know, just get out there. And I was signing paperwork, you know, in person, you know, those good old days. Yeah. So, 
It's a lot different than it is now, but um, I didn't even really know the concept of teams back then or think about it at all. Just so, wanted to sell real estate. Yeah, like you didn't see a team like on a billboard that you were like, oh, I want to be like that one day. I never paid attention. The only thing that I really noticed was um, my realtor at the time who became my business partner back then, I mean, he, it was a sexy job. You know, he drove a Range Rover. He was in the cool part of town. <laughs> he had a cool office. I was like, that's all really nice. That's, um, what, I, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. I want a Range Rover. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, after a while, it was like, I... After a while, I knew I wanted a partnership, though, because the job itself can get pretty lonely if you're just out there by yourself. Even if you're doing well, you're like, gosh, this, who do I celebrate with? I, don't, I didn't yeah. have an assistant. I didn't, you know, nothing. So it'd be like I'd go home and kind of celebrate, and then all my lows came home, all my highs came home. It was kind of a roller coaster, but it was good. So how did you know? Oh, I'll let you go, Lizzie. So when you, like, dove right into real estate yeah. then is – and you were alone, but with another brokerage, yep. then did you think, okay, this is what I want to, I want, I see myself taking that next step of envisioning a team or having my own, or what did that, how did that start? No, I read your, I read the questions here beforehand and I was like, man, some of these are going to be hard because I, I, I did not know if I was going to be successful. I, I, so I didn't ever think like that. I was like, oh, seven deals in a couple of months. I was like, that's pretty cool. You know, that's pretty nice. The yeah. money's good. But I never thought like, oh, I'm going to crush it at real estate. I'm going to do 100 deals a year. This is going to be great. I'm going to have to have a team and all of that. So back then, no, I never even considered it. And even when I joined forces with somebody else, we had the vision of kind of creating a team to support, uh, the whole team to support our clients. So like if you weren't available, then you step in. If you weren't, if you turn available, I step in. Um, so that's not how teams are built today. It feels like, you know, yeah. a person has 20 agents underneath them. They're all running around with their heads cut off, but then everybody kind of comes back together. I never had that vision, um, and I still really don't. And we'll talk about how my team is and how I see the future of it and how other people build theirs, but I've never really envisioned having that because, for me, it's never been a profit center. It's more of a support the client thing. And when I was doing 30 deals a year or 40 deals a year, it was like, I can give clients all the attention in the world and treat them like, you know, king and queen. Yeah. But once you get to 60, 70, 80 deals, it's like, I don't have time for my own life, my own family. Mm -hmm. I'm barely getting to my clients on time. So now I need somebody else to help me. And that's when I hired Ann, you know, a couple of years ago. And the hard part about hiring people and uh, building a team is finding people that share the same vision as you. And share the same care of people as you. Because I've met, my last job when I was a broker, I met 20, 30, 40 agents that wanted to join. And I think I turned down 97% of them. Um, and mainly because, why, aren't, why are you leaving your current team? The leads suck. Mm. They suck everywhere. They suck no matter what team you're on, they suck. Um, you just have to fight through it. And then it's like, well, tell me about a, you know, a story that you've had in real estate. Well, the client sucked. This client sucked. That client sucked. Yeah. And it's like, well, you're the common denominator here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So not all your clients suck. And and clients, most most of our clients now that we work with don't suck at all. They're awesome because we've been in it long enough where we can work with the people that we want to work with and we're getting referrals from the people that we've helped. So they're kind of similar to our clients. Um, well, and real estate isn't easy. I think people who are 
not in the industry think that anyone can be a real estate agent and yeah. anyone can, you know, sell or buy a house. And then you're in it and you're like, oh, well, everyone, everyone's so challenging or the, these leads are, well, no, it's tough. It's a hustle. You it work is. for yourself. It is. And I think, um, you know, for the average person, could they figure it out? Could they do a FISBO and sell their house on their own? A lot of my friends probably could. They'd get emotional about it. They'd mm-hmm. be unorganized about it. Their communication would be terrible, and they probably wouldn't get as much for their home. I really, truly believe that. I know most yeah. realtors will post that stuff online, like FISBOs don't get as much as a realtor helping you. I really actually believe that. And I'll give you a great example. I just sold my personal residence where my kid lives. I don't live there, but my kid lives there. I had to step out of the situation because realtors started asking questions like, we're gonna, or telling me we we're going to close in two weeks. And I was like, my son lives there. We're not closing in two weeks. I'm not kicking my son out in two weeks. And they're like, no, that's how it's going to be. And eventually I just had to remove myself from the situation, have Michael help me. And I think he got me more money than I would have got myself. Yeah. Um, he got me no inspection, which I was willing to take on the inspection. Um, so that's a prime example of I didn't even want to sell my own house because it was emotional for me with my son. Yeah. So imagine if you're just a regular person doing a regular job or a different job. Now you're trying to sell your house too. It's it's just not a good situation. <laughs> But you're right. Everyone thinks it's easy and it's fun and it's great. And all those things are true at times. It is sometimes yeah, easy. at it, times. <laughs> it is sometimes great and it is sometimes fun, but it is very difficult. And every, all the vibes I'm getting from you here right now, Joan, I think this is a benefit of doing the podcast in person again, because for a long time we weren't doing them in person, is like, I just feel that you're a leader. Like oh. what you're saying is coming absolutely from your heart, like saying that it is about the client, it is about the people, and that isn't something that you can necessarily teach as a leader, but like, where did that leadership come from? Well, first of all, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really have these conversations a lot, so I definitely don't get that compliment and I really appreciate it. Um, I really, I really care about people and, and it's to my detriment sometimes, uh, cause I choose people over myself, you know, sometimes. Um, so I think a lot of it just has to do with, I want to do the right thing and I want to help people. And I get a lot of my joy and happiness from other people's joy and happiness. So being a leader, like I want others to succeed. And so often, especially in in sports, for example, you want the other person to fail. You're the best player on the court. You want the other person to fail. Um, I'm not like that. Like I want my friends to succeed. And and when I'm not getting along with them in the industry, I don't feel good about it. Um, You know, my dad's been a manager his whole life. uh, So I learned some of it from that. I got some of my outgoing personality from my mom. Um, So I think it's just a combination of those things. But really, the entire time I've ever been a leader, Target or in real estate, I've always had great people. Like I've kind of gotten lucky because I haven't hired all of them. They've been placed with me. And I've always been lucky to have super awesome people around me. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) I was just so engaged. (laughs) Okay. Well. Maybe we'll just have you hold on to your mic yeah, for the rest guys. of this that's, that's awesome. um, recording. Yeah, that I mean, <laughs> wow, Joe, the power behind that statement. <laughs> oh, um, that's great. So, should we move on to the next question yeah. about the steps of building a team? <laughs> now that we're <laughs> so, this is something I've been really intrigued in because yeah. so many people do it differently, and you know. To kudos what Brooke said is that we really admire you as a leader and like how you really support and care about not only your people as a team, but then the client, which is um, a really wonderful thing to see in real estate because sometimes we just see and how 
this is a plug for all American title right now, but like it's the relationship versus the transaction yeah. over the transaction, right? Yeah. Um, and so one of the things I've been interested in or curious is I want to have you walk us through the steps of what it took to build a team. So like the first person you said you hired was Anne. Like yeah. tell, tell us about, because some people, what we hear a lot is, okay, so I, I'm hiring a buyer's agent so I can be the listing agent so I can like take more of the money and you can run around and do all the other work because I don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah. So tell us in your situation what took place. Yeah, and I think it's important for the audience to know it's my situation because I think there's other people that have built teams way better than I have. I mean, I even, you know, I think about teams that are at EXP right now um, and they're incredible and they're set up for success. Ryan Fisher, whose team I was on mm -hmm. prior to this, um, amazing team, amazing dude, amazing leader. Um, but for me, it it really boiled back to the, the consumer, the, the client, and I didn't have enough time anymore. So it wasn't... I wanted to have a buyer's agent to focus on listings. I wanted to support the client better. And if and some people, I think, make teams to be profit centers or make teams to um, make it easier for the realtor. And some people make teams to make it easier for the client. And I think if you can combine all of them a little bit, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, I so I first started out by hiring Anne because I wanted to be in front of my clients more. And I was, you know, we were probably doing about 65, 70 deals. I was probably doing 65, 70 deals by myself. And for me, that was just too much to try and balance. And so I figured if I could have somebody like Anne in the background writing offers, setting up schedules, communicating next steps, I could be out in front of more people and we could actually grow. Or I could just be in front of those 70 deals more and build better relationships with people. Because um, that's your next referral, right? I mean, exactly. the idea is that yep. is to be that way. Yeah, and I look back at those days and um, probably some of my happiest days, even though they were some of my most stressful days yeah. because you're running around with your head cut off, and, and so was Anne. Um, but that was mainly the, the Anne hire was all about, like, how do we make life a little easier for myself, but really how do we stay in front of the clients and give them a better experience? And luckily I had come from a team that I had already kind of taught me how to do that. The next steps, emails, you know, the referrals to title company, like all that stuff was kind of ingrained in me. Um, but I was managing it all behind the scenes. And that's not stuff I like to do. Like, here's a here's a fun email with, you know, your title company contact and three lenders or something like that. You know, it's just um, it wasn't for me. So I started with Ann mainly for those reasons. And then as we kept growing, <clears throat> I think Ann and I got to maybe about 80 deals, uh, maybe 85. And I was like, whew. Maybe we should have one other person because um, the idea for Ann was to be part-time. Well, we, we always laugh because it was like 10 to 3, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, it was like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. the next day. Yeah, you know, that's or, what 10 to 3 meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, six days a week. So um, the, next, the next person was Becky. Uh, she had come from the team that I was on prior. And I wanted somebody with a lot of knowledge, and I figured – with somebody like Becky, she could foresee problems happening, um, especially on the listing side. She could get the listings prepared. Anne didn't have a ton of knowledge on that quite yet, and I didn't have a ton of time with her to teach her. Anne will tell you that I teach things way too fast anyway. <laughs> um, so I figured having a dynamic duo behind the scenes, then I could really put myself out there and get going. And also I knew at that time if we were going to have two back-end staff, I actually could add to my team with a buyer's agent or business partner because I think you need kind of that backbone to build a team. If you think about recruiting a, a person, what can you offer them? 
You can offer them leads if you're buying leads or they're your personal referrals. Mm -hmm. You can offer them technology, but most brokerages already do that. So for me, it was like, if I can bring on somebody, treat them really well, but tell them they have all the backend support, I'm like, that's spoiling them. And I was spoiled when I came into it. So I kind of wanted to, you know, pay it forward. So with Becky and Ann, I knew I had the backbone, which then I, I hired Michael and, uh, I have the dream team now because Michael is, uh, if anybody gets anything out of this podcast today, I want people to know how amazing this dude is. Um, he's, he's really changed my life in so many ways. Um, and really the whole team has, but he was really the first person to, um, you know, give me the ability to go out on weekends again and, and be with my son more and start dating again and like doing all that fun stuff. Um, because before him, I was still really the only frontline person meeting with clients all the time. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, not once in the two years we've worked together, has he ever said no to me? Not once. Hey, can you do this for me? Yep. Mm. Hey, can you go here for me? Yep. Um, so we love Michael. We love Michael. And Michael, if you're listening to this, just know that Joe wanted you to be on the podcast because he said that <laughs> you know more than him. So that is a fact. <laughs> So when hiring, because like you had the relationship with Becky yep. and we kind of know some behind the scenes stuff that we already knew that, right? <laughs> Compared to some of our listeners. So, but when hiring um, Anne and Michael, did you do, how did you know you were hiring the right people for the right position? Yep. Like, did you assess, I know disc assessments are a big thing in the real estate industry. Did you do anything along those lines or did you just go with your gut? Yep. Um, it's funny because at Target, that's. That's all they lean on. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's all they lean on. They lean on those tests very significantly. So I was very familiar with a lot of them. But honestly, I went with my gut. I mean, Anne was my client back in 2015. She mm. is the nicest, kindest person. And I knew she would care about clients more than anybody else I could find. Also, I knew she cared about me a great deal. I mean, she's like a second mother to me. So it's like mm -hmm. I, she has my best interests in mind at all times. Um, and I had that history with Becky and then Michael, I actually had a history with too. We worked together at DRG, um, way back in the day when he was dialing for dollars and I was a, just starting as an agent and very similar. I'm like, he's a, he's got a great personality. He cares for people. And so a lot of it was personality based. I didn't really care about his production mm -hmm. and, Ann and Becky had no real production to go off of. Um, and I didn't need them to produce. So I really just went off of how I thought they would treat people and how they'd care about, you know, and how they'd work together. Um, and of course, all of that comes with growing pains. And, and you know, once you add a second person, the first person feels a different way. Second person feels a different way when mm -hmm. you add the third person, third and first and second and third and, and mm -hmm. all, you know, all of that. But really, it's just a great group of people that uh, genuinely care about the client and that's all I ultimately care about. I want them to be happy as as somebody who helps them provide for their families. But I ultimately just want the client to be happy because then our lives are all easier, mm -hmm. including titles lives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know that you said this earlier, like if you get a combination of all three things, like a profit center and if it's about the client and if it's easier for you, um, those are the different models and like hierarchies. But is there one that you work off of for your team, like mentee, mentor, or you are getting the leads and then you're dispersing them to Michael or, or. Yep. Yep. So Michael and I, um, one of the reasons he joined me, cause he was with an awesome, incredible agent, Mike Siebinger. And, um, but Mike had a different business model for himself and he's, he does better than me, crushes it. And it's just a different model. 
Um, but Michael wanted more hand on hands on you know, hand on hand time. Is that right? More time with one on one time. One on hand hand on, <laughs> hands on hand on time. Hands on, <laughs> one on one time. Wow. I don't know. Maybe Mike dropped that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. Yeah. Um, he wanted more one on one time, and uh, and a part and grow into a partnership. And that's something I could offer because I I don't really have I don't want to be greedy. I, as as we grow, I want Michael to take on a bigger portion of work, but a bigger portion of the commission and stuff like that. Um, so I don't even remember what the question was. Just like oh, mentor. Men- it's more mentor, like mentee in a way. Yes, one on one. You know, but hand the, ni- hand? the nice part, hand in yeah. The nice part is, is Michael is such a quick learner and so good that I'm learning a lot from him too. Um, so we also have three other agents that I haven't mentioned. Um, I don't really recruit for my team. That's one of the interesting things. I, I've really only taken on agents that are good friends of mine, um, that I, you know, trust and I've worked with for a long time. One of them's Joe Harris, who I've been, he's been with me for three or four years. He just closed a deal today. So congratulate Joe on that. Congratulations, Joe. Um, Trami, uh, Nguyen. So she just got her first, well, not her first deal, but one of her first deals. She actually helped Jean. So that was one of them. Oh, sweet. Um, And then um, Andrew Valen, who owns First Draft with me. So you can tell these people are basically family to me. Mm -hmm. And so with them, I just try and answer all their questions because one of the things that, one of the reasons I don't try and grow my team is I don't want to make promises to people that I can't keep. Mm -hmm. And if one of my goals is to get my life back and get more time, I really can't be training 10, 20, 30 agents. And I don't buy a ton of leads. You know, my business has all been from grassroots over the years. So I really can't promise people a ton of leads either. So it goes back to how do you recruit? Leads, technology, all that stuff. Well, I'm not really doing that. So I don't go out and say, hey, you should join my team. I really want you on my team because I'm not trying to make a profit center again. Mm -hmm. It's not about profit for me. It's about the people and um so those guys, I just try and answer all their questions, be there for them when, when they need me, but not trying to do anything above and beyond that, I guess. What do you do to hold yourself accountable? Yeah, um, I look at, <laughs> I, we set goals every year, and we did it the last couple of years as a team. Um, prior to that, I was always setting my own for myself. And then I realized, like, if the team's going to buy into these, they got to help me with them. Um, so I, I look at it almost every day and I track how we do to, how we're doing to last year and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, I've gotten lazy, <laughs> lazy about it over the years, at least this last year. Um, mainly because I've just been focused more on life than work. Yeah. Um, but that was one of my goals. So it's kind of like one yeah. of those yeah. things where it's like some goals aren't numbers based. Some goals are just personal. Mm-hmm. And that was one for me. And, um, you know, as a result, you know, I want to make Michael a bigger portion of the business moving forward because that's what I think the reward should be and that's what he wants. Um, and you have a better work-life balance and time with your son. and 100%. And so, yeah, so not all goals are numbers-based. Um, you know, we don't talk about goals every week or anything like that, but certainly I'm looking at them at least every week and I'm talking to the team about them. And then if we're having a slow month or something – I honestly have just always been the guy that's like, oh, we're having a slow month. I should probably try harder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I start trying harder and business starts to come back in and the next month's great. And sometimes it's inconsistent. For the most part, for the years, it hasn't been. 
Um, but now I'm feeling it where it's like, oh, I should probably stop making it all about life and making it more about business. But it's a nice balance. It's It's been a long 10 years of real estate. So Brooke and I have, um, in order to hold each other accountable in regards to this podcast, it, we took it from Tom Ferry, is... Every week we have on Tuesday um, things that need to be done to our accountability coach. And if we don't get them done, we each, um, or one of us, I guess, who doesn't get it done. Uh, or if we both don't get it done. Yeah, we have to <laughs> eat um, a can of cat food. Have you ever had to? Not no. yet. Because <laughs> at first it was like when we were doing, so we both have a Peloton. So we were like, we need to get on this Peloton. So if you don't do it more than three times, you got to go to the bank and give the other person $50. Well, then we were like, yeah, that doesn't like it didn't, you know, but <laughs> well, like and then they would cancel each other out. So we'd just be giving each other $50. Right. Yeah. So then <laughs> like, we were like, what is it that something like, oh, you have to buy the other person lunch. A, well, we'll do that. Like, that's fun that's to do anyways. One. Yeah. But you do not want to eat a can of cat food. No. And so every Tuesday, like in the morning before our accountability coach comes, we're like scrambling to make sure. We like, are I want to see that happen, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you guys to fail, but I want to see one of you eat cat food. I've heard another one, too, where it's like you have to write out a check to an organization that you don't support. Oh. Like if you really do not support something. Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like, that hurts. Yeah, because if you're doing it to something you support, you'd be like, ah, I didn't yeah, get on the great. Peloton sure. today. Here's 500 bucks. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So what has been like the biggest challenge with your team? Like you said, how people feel about each other. You know, I think we've experienced that like within our own team. It's difficult, you know, about making sure that the dynamic stays the same. So that's a challenge. But what about, what would you say? Um, you know, the way that I have a team, like we have talked about is different. So in order to make, at work, everyone sacrifices. I sacrifice money. Other people sacrifice time. <clears throat> the gals sacrifice, you know, doing things that aren't their job responsibility. Because again, if we're making it about the client, if the client's like, oh, I have fleas in the house, I need to get rid of fleas. Fleas. Totally made that up. But, oh, but <laughs> it's like, let's, oh gosh. Let's say they do. Okay, okay, yep. That's not really our job to fix, but let's help them fix it. So yeah. maybe we go out and we call the three, I don't know. if there's Best exterminators. Yeah. 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 So I think for us, it takes a lot of sacrifice. And at times, sometimes, you know, I definitely felt this way on my old team uh, when I first started. But sometimes you feel like you're doing more than you're, you're getting compensated for or you're doing more and it's not appreciated. Um so you have the ebbs and flows of that. And I think it's just important for communication to be open and talk through it versus mm -hmm. somebody just feeling alienated about it. Um, because realistically, you know, not everybody's happy all of the time, especially in real estate. I mean, when times are great and, and you're doing 20 deals a month and there's more money than anybody yes. can handle, everybody's happy. But it's the, we, the months where you have two to three deals going and it's kind of, you know, slim pickings all the way around. That's when people are like, you learn a lot about people. Mm -hmm. Now they don't want to call the fleet person anymore. Now they don't, you know, that's not my job. And so luckily with my team, it hasn't been a ton of that. But um, I've noticed that throughout my whole career with people. And when you build a team to service the client and not have it be a profit center or something else, you know, with, with a profit center, um, you know, you can, you can measure success in a certain amount of ways. But, like, I'm providing you 20 leads a month. That's what I promised you. Mm -hmm. So why are you upset with me? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that one's really easy because you're doing what you told them you'd do. But with this kind of model, it's really hard because a lot of it is just sacrifice. And even me, I'm, I'm sometimes that person, right? Where it's like, geez, I'm paying out a lot of money and I'm doing all the work. 
Mm-hmm. But then there's months where, geez, I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not doing a lot of work. Yeah. You know? Um, so as long as everybody's kind of on the same page and communicates through it, it, it it's, seems to work out a lot better. Do you say um, that you keep that communication going through team meetings or like, or just more so like the relationships that you've developed? Yeah. Re- relationships mainly. The team meeting is just the four of us. So Michael and Becky and I. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we have a pretty good um, ability to talk to each other then. But I'm talking to them, you know, a couple times a week on the phone. And I have a meeting with Ann after this, a coffee with Ann at uh, Rosedale. So, you know, it's stuff like that. Uh, and we'll talk through things. And if anything's bothering them, sometimes I'm like, suck it up. Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, I totally see that. And and sometimes it has nothing to do with our team, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. it's, I'm not going to say title, that'd be a horrible example right now. But <laughs> sometimes it's the lender, right? We're working with a lender and they've become difficult to work with. Well, they need me to step in and they wanted to talk to me about it before I did because they know I can kind of be a hothead sometimes. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I think it's just, that's probably the most difficult thing. It's just the ebbs and flows of the job. Not everybody's prepared for it, especially new agents. I mean, new agents get turned down one time, and they're like, well, I don't know if this is for me. And I'm like, I got turned down 10 times last month. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. I lost two listings and got fired as a buyer's agent. How do you feel today? You know, it's like, yeah, it happens. But it is hard to come back from sometimes, you know. Nobody likes to get rejected about on anything. No. No. How's my hair look today? Ooh, it looks okay. Ooh. My day's ruined now. You know? Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm going to switch up the last question. If you could tell younger Joe, starting out, one piece of advice now that you've been in it for a few years, what would you tell him? Two things, actually, because uh, I think about this a lot. One, invest in real estate. Invest in real estate, invest in real estate, invest in real estate. Think about if I would have invested all my money into real estate in 2015, how much I would be making right now. Um, and also it would provide me freedom, right? I think you just bought an investment property, didn't you? Well, yeah. yeah. I d- well, I bought... I bought a property to live in so I could make my last property an investment investment property. It's perfect. It's like, I, so like my son, when he's turns 18, I will absolutely help him do something like that because even if the market tanks, that property is going to keep paying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I very, very much wish I would have gotten in a lot earlier. Um, And I don't, I don't, I'm not the type that wants to own individual properties, but I do syndication now. Uh, My buddies do it, but I invest in it. So I'm happy with that now, but I wish I would have you know, started that five to seven years ago. Um, and then secondly, it's like it, I guess it'd be called setting boundaries. You know, um, when I first started in the business, I worked 6am to midnight. And I just my my whole back of my mind was I need to provide for my family, I'm coming off, I had a six figure job in corporate, how am I going to rep- replicate that here? Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt a lot of pressure. But at the same time, I sacrificed so much time. Um, everything was a big deal, and it's truly not. You know, if a client asked you for que- asked you questions at eleven o'clock at night, I was answering them by eleven o one. And nowadays, it's like I kind of can gather what's important right now versus in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just setting good boundaries and and having work life balance is super super important. Um, because I've made a lot of sacrifices over the years and not all of them have paid off, you know. So. Is that something like setting boundaries? I like how you said, I guess I would call it setting boundaries because I feel like <laughs> boundaries are such a difficult thing. Sometimes it's hard to even put a word on that, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, do you communicate that to your client right away now that you've learned that? Um, I should. That's a good idea. 
Um, I think, I think between before and now, I the expectations are just different. So, mm-hmm. for example, if a client asks me a question, I don't get back to him in a minute because I know if I get back to him in a minute. Then that expectation is set. Exactly. Now, if it's an emergency, absolutely. I'm not going to look at my phone, put it down, and ignore it. Um, But I bet you, call it three years ago, I would have had my phone with me at this podcast, and I would have been looking at it every five minutes. If I go out to eat with people, I'd be looking at it every five minutes. My friends would always get pissed at me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my ex would get pissed at me. (laughs) My son, you know, my son and I didn't start building a good relationship probably until about three years ago. Because I just, I never made him a priority. Because I was always worried about that damn phone. Um, so, yeah, set, setting boundaries or whatever you want to call it um, is so important in so many aspects of life. You got to set boundaries with your family. You got to set boundaries with work. You know, if your boss calls you at 10 o'clock at night every night and you're like, I want to be able to wind down, you got to set that boundary. And most of the time, nine times out of 10, people are like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know you wanted to not talk at 10 o'clock yeah. at night. Or just because I sent you an email didn't mean you have to respond, you know. And most people, will, the funny part is most people will say that, but then it's the same person that sends you that email the next night and is like, well, why didn't you respond to me? I, thought, <laughs> I, saw, you were, I saw your green dot was, you know. like Yeah. Um, but I think setting those boundaries uh, with your clients is, is important with, with everybody in your life, honestly, mm-hmm. with what you want because a lot of people do it. A lot of your clients will do it to you. Well, I don't want to look at properties on Thursday nights because that's card night. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to look at them on Wednesday nights because that's my son's night. And that is one boundary I have set where I tell people, if it's Wednesday night, you're working with the team and there's nothing I can do about it. And I won't. And I've kept it sacred for almost three years now. He's come on maybe three to four showings in those three years, but Otherwise, it's just me and the kid time. Well, if he's going to be a real estate mogul by age 18, he's got to learn this stuff. <laughs> he's going to be an investor. I won't let yeah. him be an agent, though. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Joe. Yeah, thank you so much. I found, like, I benefited from this, and I know our well, listeners thank will. You. Thanks as well. for having me. I feel like we need to have an episode on boundaries, because right? I feel like that's something that's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Not with me, though. No, no. <laughs> you can always call me, Lizzie. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys.